Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, it, to me, it would feel like playing in a, in a um, powder keg factory. You know, like... I would just be so scared of of any any of those. Oh, players all, of all off. those racists in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> they are terrifying. That's the truer that. powder keg factory. You're listening to the Dig. What is up? Actually, I feel like you should do the intro for once, Jeremy. Oh man. For once, I actually had something interesting to say in response (laughs) to how are you doing other than good. I'm doing good. What's wrong with doing good? I mean, it's kind of boring. Nobody watches movies about people who do good anymore. Postmodernism. Imagine the opposite of the Joker as a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Guys having a hard time. And, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, starts helping people out, starts realizing he can connect to people and and inspire <laughs> them to do better, and uh, and brings joy and happiness everywhere he goes. Count me in, Oscar award. <laughs> no, no one's seeing that. Oh wait, that's called Paddington too. What's Pat like Paddington the bear? Yeah. Okay. All right. You've seen the Paddington. That's what that's what Paddington's all about. He's like this. This bear, he's just such a good person. He changes all the horrible people around him. <laughs> Figures it's a bear. Couldn't be a person. Yeah. Well, he's a teddy bear. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, you know what hasn't been good is our release schedule. It's been a little inconsistent of late. So we're going to go back to Thursdays. Uh, Thursday mornings, you can expect uh, dig episodes out. I think probably for the rest of the season, we've kind of settled in on that. It's been kind of a, a chaotic a season for the two of us, just juggling our different responsibilities and stuff. We uh, unfortunately have to do some other things besides just watch and talk about the Nuggets. But I think from this point forward, you can count on a dig episode every Thursday at the in the early a.m. So we'll try to keep with that schedule uh, now and not not keep shifting things on our. Our very loyal fans. Sorry, Miroslav. (laughs) That guy's the best. He is the best. The theme. So we have a lot to talk about, though, because it's been a couple weeks since we've talked. Uh, I've been on a couple of Denver Stiff shows uh, talking with those other kids. But you're a really big deal now. um, It's kind of like um, I kind of am the uh, breaking basketball miniseries we did is kind of happening just in different ways but here you are getting all famous even though it's not um <laughs> on the ringer it's on the denver stiffs network kind of i'll take stiffs famous yeah stiffs famous. that works that works for me never really thought i'd be any famous or, or wanted to be any famous i'm not famous still but. that's very humble um yeah <laughs> thank you actually i think being <laughs> stiffs famous is very humble of you as well 
Thank you. <laughs> the humblest stiff I know. Okay. So we uh we we have been through the All Star break. I think since the last time we talked, there's been a few games uh, coming out of the break. A little up and down. Looks like they got rolling the last game and a half or, or so. Um, and now we're really going into this stretch where the Nuggets season, I feel like, is really kind of starting. Like, I, yeah, they're pretty much where we expected them to be at this point. I think what's really going to determine the trajectory of this season now is how this this final 24 games or whatever it is uh, goes. Uh, where They have one of the hardest schedules in all of basketball. And there's some pretty, you know, pretty tight grouping of teams in the standings right now in the Western conference. And I think this is really what's going to show us where the nuggets are at in comparison to their competition and, you know, how things shake out here and the seeding is going to play a huge role in, I think what their, what their chances look like in being a serious contender this year in the playoffs. Yeah, I think, I think that's totally right. Um, I mean, we're going to get into it a little bit, but um the expectations, it's one thing to be able to kind of like size up an entire season and you get the strength of schedule back and you're like, okay, okay, okay. But at this point to, to see that they have one of the toughest and that there's several top West competitors who have the easiest means that um, there's definitely going to be some shakeup. So it it's, gets to be really hard to expect in what ways we can actually see the shaking up. But, um, but I mean, hey, that makes it more exciting. So I can't wait for it. Can't wait for some real basketball. Yeah, every game from now to the end of the season is going to, you know, get increasingly intense, especially these, these big matchups like we have on Friday night against the Clippers. Um, and before I forget, I need to make sure I mention that we have a watch party. The Denver Stiffs and the Denver Nuggets have joined up for a watch party on Friday night at 830 uh jeremy's considering flying out for it so you should come too if he's willing to put in that much effort um you should probably make it make it make an effort to come on over say hi uh we could chat a little bit i think our obnoxious friend lad might even make an appearance he can meet meet him and uh and and get into some arguments about is, something. is there a chance that we could dupe some lakers fans into showing up if lad is there to see <laughs> what kind of explosions happen uh out of lad's mouth at Laker fans <laughs> that that's worth it alone. Like that needs to be the headline. If any of our advertising for, for this is uh, come watch lad berate Lakers fans that we dupe into coming to the nuggets game. In fact, if we have any Lakers fans listening, please come and I will <laughs> buy you a beer. If you start a fight with lad. <laughs> All right. So, we are talking about the path to the playoffs, and we have a couple of segments lined up here. We're going to start with Are We Sure? and then move on to fill in the blank. Are we sure? So, Jeremy. Yes? Are we sure that the Nuggets can't get the one seed? I didn't quite hear you. Could you say that again? Are we sure that the Nuggets can't get the one seed in the West? I, I didn't quite hear that one more time, please. Oh, my goodness. 
some extra some extra effort. I'm just asking for a little extra effort. So Jeremy. <laughs> are we sure <laughs> that the Nuggets can't get the one seed in the West? Uh I heard you loud and clear. Uh oh good. Yeah, we're sure that the Nuggets can't get the one seed in the West. It, You're sure? You, you brought it you brought it up. The Nuggets had the sixth hardest strength schedule out of any team in the NBA. Um the Lakers, who I mean, we they'd be the team that we'd have to overtake, will have the eighth easiest strength of schedule. So it's rough goings. Um I mean if we dig in a little bit deeper. There, there is definitely some room for some ground to be made up. We do have one game against the Lakers, and we do have two games against the Clippers. And then on the flip side of that, the Lakers also have two games against the Clippers. So depending on how the Clippers come together, the most un, unmeasurable team that there is, because you don't know who's going to play and how healthy they are. Um, I mean... If and this is a big if, if we beat the Lakers and the Clippers twice, if we just seem to have their number, whether because of injury or anything else, and then if the Lakers wind up, you know, losing one or two of those to the Clippers, um, there's definitely some ground to be made up there. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I was, I was, I would have had a completely different answer for you right before the All Star break if we could have beat the Lakers, which we should have. That was the most right. frustrating ref game of all season. I know. And and honestly, if we would have beat them, actually going into that game, I would have said um, we can get the one seed, um, especially if we would have beat them. Um, but that one game is really going to change it. I'll, I'll wrap my my answer up by just saying, I think we're going to come within two. I, I, I don't think, I think the Lakers are going to be Sitting LeBron, I probably something with AD. I mean, even just tonight, uh, LeBron is out against the Warriors because of some sort of I don't know, some sort of stupid excuse. It's weird yeah, right. that he gets injured against the lowest ranked team in the worst NBA. team in basketball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're gonna start seeing that. I know they're gonna start losing more games than they were the first two thirds of the season when they were playing at full strength. So, um. Whereas the Nuggets, I think, are going to be pushing it. I think they're going to be pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. So I, I think we do actually get close. Um, I, and I'm guessing we come within two. And had we won that one game, that that would have just changed everything. It would have changed our trajectory, our willpower our, a lot there. But um, look, yeah. here's the thing. The segment is titled, Are We Sure? So no, we're not sure they can't get the one seed. They're five games back. If they beat the Lakers, that takes a game off, right? So they're four games back. You just said they play the Lakers play the Clippers twice. Let's say that the Clippers take both of those games against the Lakers. It's it's very possible they've played the Lakers extremely well this year. That's still only one, um, one game up that we get on them. No, that's two. Now so now we're only two games no, the, back. No, those are half games. They they would only that would be a half oh, game. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good point. So three games, so that puts us three games back. And I just don't imagine the Lakers are going to get through the rest of this regular season without an injury to LeBron or AD. I just, I don't see it happening. It's possible. Both of those guys, LeBron's getting older. He's been totally healthy this year. AD has pretty much been healthy this year. 
think he was out for, I don't know, a couple of weeks or missed a few games or something like that at some point. Um, All they need is a little stretch like that where, you know, they drop three out of four or something and the Nuggets are right there with them. And I think I think that's all all it will take. Now, it's probably not likely. Um, I would I would put the Nuggets chance at competing for the one seed, you know, at I don't know, 25 percent or something like that. But even the fact that there's a chance, I think, is is going to make this this final stretch run exciting. I'm I'm, um, I'm just the opposite. I that one game against the Lakers just ruined everything for me. It was ruined bad. All my it was hopes. Bad. Um, yeah. And I am completely sure that we are out of the one seed now. Well, and let's say this too: if they lose to the Lakers, um, it's actually like a like a like a two game loss because now the tiebreaker goes to the Lakers. So if they lose that game, there is pretty much literally zero chance of them getting the one seed. Um, their only hope is going to be to win that game and then hope the Lakers have, have a stumble. Yeah. Um, here in the, here in the stretch run, but, uh, it's still, it's still in the realm of possibility. No, it's not. I have real estate there. The realm of possibility in, in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I visit it every once in a while. Do you, do you... <laughs> and I see no are you renting it in one seed there are you renting it out to me writing a Star Wars movie the realm of possibility I, you writing a Star yeah. Wars movie no you're not you're not there either I, I have no I'll, I'll pay rent there I have no rent coming from you no you're denied you're denied from the realm of possibility <laughs> right. from ever writing a Star Wars script crushed um okay now, Nick, mm-hmm. are we sure Gary Harris is back? Guys, let's be real for a second. I know that we all love Gary Harris. We do. I love Gary Harris. I love his fit with Jokic. I was here when we drafted him. I was here when he was a 40% three-point shooter. So I understand the fandom that he has. I understand the goodwill that he has from Nuggets fans being one of the, the you know, the, the, the first of his core, really, that signed a long term contract to to stay here. Um, that means something. This is not lost on me. His effort is not lost on me. His defense is not lost on me. But we need to chill on the Gary Harris's back rhetoric because he scored 13 points <laughs> like this is. <laughs> This is getting a bit the loudest a bit ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Um in the last 5 games, which it, it, I guess is what everybody is claiming proves that Gary Harris is back. He's played 30 and a half minutes, so starters minutes. He scored 10 points a game on 9 shots, shooting 40% from the field. Like if that's back to you, if that's what you think the Nuggets starting shooting guard should be producing in 31 minutes a game, um, I don't agree with you. <laughs> now, the the one silver lining is that he has been shooting much better from the three-point line over those five games. He's taking about three threes a game and hitting 46% over the last five. Um, one point one point four makes for for three attempts. So that's an encouraging sign. If 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 this is showing some sort of upward trajectory in his three point shooting, that alone will make me feel much better about him as the starting shooting guard moving into the playoffs. Because his defense is there, 
Um, he he obviously shows that that he can be a, a real force on that end of the ball and 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 an important wing defender, but he's gotta he's gotta do more. I mean, I I think if the Nuggets are gonna have any shot at at competing for a championship, I mean, we're not talking about like having like a fun first and second round at this point. I they can do that without a ton from Gary Harris. But I do not think they can beat the Lakers in a seven-game series or the Clippers if Gary Harris is giving them six, eight points a game and just playing like some good defense against Rajon Rondo, like or whoever, Danny Green. Like I, that's just not going to be enough. Yeah, I'm not even. I mean, we we just saw, so defense is what we've come to appreciate from him. Albeit not from like a, I, I'd say, typical physical package. Um, like he he's done a great job of really uh, doing his most to master that. So, but he's even mentioned that that's kind of his role. Like I I think he's felt a little um, frustration. I could see it where I in his shoes, where my role offensively starts getting more and more minimized over the years as other guys step up and more is expected of them. Um, and so the good version of me, if if that's what I'm going through, is, well, let me focus on what I can, which is defense for the most part. Defense, making sure ball movement's still good on offense, you know, small things like rebounding, running back, you know, those kind of things. And and he's kind of mentioned that himself, um, wh- yeah. whereas he's been criticized. And by- to his credit, because I will say, you know, like word on the street is that he's not super thrilled about the fact that he's not a primary offensive option right on this team. So um I don't he, he hasn't, you know, he he hasn't said anything publicly and he's he's been a good team player about it all, but so I I mean, I think my point here is that I think I'm being a very good team player if you know, it's frustrating to kind of get minimized in that way, but if I'm publicly stating that like like, hey, I'm I'm focusing on this defensive role. I'm focusing on on this being a good, you know, role player on offense and things like that. Um, you still have to follow through with it, it, it <laughs> and we've seen him kind of do that at this season. Um, but even his defense wasn't there the first game back against OKC. We saw him get kind of eaten up. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. It, so so it's it's kind of. He's had two good games, I guess you could say here, out of the three from the All-Star break. Uh, it's just that you got to be able to count the bad things if you're counting the good things as well. If you're seeing an increased three-point shot or you're, you're this person's saying Gary Harris is back because you see see a, more of a three-point activity out of him, you got to take the bad things with that too, which is he had a bad defensive game there. And, and, and it's just... I, it's so far. It's so far from claiming that Gary Harris is back. Um, I I don't know. I don't, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. It's depressing. Yeah. Now I will. I will say what maybe what people even mean by that is that maybe he seems like he's on the right path toward being back. But I mean, I I think maybe people are forgetting like Gary Harris was like a 17, 18 point a game player who shot like f- over 50% from the field and over 40% from three um, a couple of years, just not that long ago, two years ago. So like, he, I mean, he would, you know, and even if we go back uh, the year before that, you know, before Murray had really um, e- e- even gotten minutes as a starter, I think he was still coming off the bench at that point. 
we kind of all thought Gary Harris was like the second guy right. with Jokic, right? No, absolutely. Sort of core, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's who this that's who this player was. Like, this wasn't a guy who was this wasn't a Bruce Bowen or something like that who was just going to play some good defense and Thank make you know goodness. occasional three. Yeah, we right. can't take another Bruce Bowen for crying out loud. <laughs> well, honestly, I would take Bruce Bowen right now if he was shooting like that percentage from three. But um, I wouldn't. He, but yeah, that's I mean, that's Gary. You know, that's that's Gary's ceiling. That's his upside. He can still get there. We, you know, we've talked about this through the course of the year now. Like we haven't seen really a young player have this kind of a setback after two good years and then have these kind of couple of years, you know, it's, it's, they, there's been some injuries in there too. So it's not full years, but these couple of years where like he just, his shooting has just totally fallen off. I mean, he didn't just forget how to shoot. Right. Um, and, but, and it's hard for me to say that it's just like the role because we, we when he was on fire back in the day, um, he would have games where he would settle down, especially when Murray was coming up. So let's go back two seasons ago when Murray was just kind of really coming up and he would have games where he'd kind of play second fiddle to Murray. But even in those games, he was still efficient. And, and that's what we're not seeing. You know, he, maybe he only scores nine points, but it's probably only on, you know, four ball, four or five balls. Um, well, six math is quickly going out the window, but so this year that efficiency isn't there. So if he's able to play in a reduced role, two seasons ago on kind of a game by game basis. Why is he not able to play efficiently in a reduced role through throughout all this stretch, especially when you have guys who are getting better around you. You have the same guys you were playing with two seasons ago and they're getting better. He just, it's, it's an efficiency thing. And, and, and some guys can't handle that role and keep efficiency, but I thought that Gary could. And so I, I I don't think it's the role. I think I think there's other things going on. All right, Jeremy, are we sure that Barton should be starting against the Clippers at least? Yes, because the only way to get something across to Malone is through pain. The pain that he's <laughs> going to have to suffer through of watching Barton get completely eaten alive by Kawhi Leonard or Paul George is the only way we're going to get him to start considering a different lineup against a team like the Clippers or a team like the Lakers. So he is stubborn, isn't he? I I love yeah. him, but he is stubborn. <laughs> I mean, he's the guy who punches the TV and breaks it on his way out of the arena after the Lakers game. So I love the man with all my heart, but he's the <laughs> same guy. That's that's pain. Like pain is the way to get things across to him. And I think I think that, that we 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 have to inflict a little bit on our our boy, our family there to uh to make this happen. So, uh I'm sure that Barton should be starting against the Clippers because it's the only way that in the future he's not, if that makes any sense. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Barton's last 15 games, he's played in 11 of them, uh, 13 and a half points a game, 
five rebounds, four assists. So it's okay. I I feel like I feel like Barton's had a bit of a drop off here, and I I was real big on Barton the first couple of months of the season. He was playing great. I totally rescinded my Barton hate. I I turned in my card with the the the, the Barton hate fan club, resigned my membership, uh, turned over president to someone else, <laughs> uh, and and totally recanted on all of it. He was he was great. I was wrong. I was dumb. Everyone else was right. And now though, there's been a fall off, and I I don't know. It's not drastic. He's not been terrible by any means. He's still a positive in plus minus. He's still shooting. Uh, he's actually shooting forty two percent from three, which is which is really pretty outstanding. But he's only forty two percent from the field. So so his three point shooting is is keeping him productive in uh, about thirty two minutes a game over this last stretch, which is which is pretty high. Um, but I I feel like we're just not quite seeing the same the same thrill. You know, like. It, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on, but he seems a little out of sorts. He's still hitting some big shots. He's, you know, he's still providing something that's worth keeping, probably keeping him in the starting lineup, but against certain matchups, like against the Clippers, he's just overmatched at the, at the position and he's just not big enough. Right. This is a monstrous team. And And the Lakers too are just enormous. So I, to, to the way he's been playing, I would say, um, I feel like maybe there is a little recency bias there because in particular, these past two games, he's been bad. Um, I mean, if you do look over the past 30 days, he's still like a top 70 player in the NBA, um, which is great to be getting out of your third, fourth best guy. So, uh, and it's still, still scoring buckets of buckets. Um, the past two games have been bad games. Um, you throw in, there are four games that he missed because of injury. So usually it takes a little bit just to get back from injury. Um, but it almost kind of feels, um, it's kind of felt like he has been, um, what's the word here? It's not reticent, but like yielding a little bit more yeah. in these past few games. Uh-huh. And maybe that's, there's a number of reasons. It could be, you know, coming back from injury, uh, he's he's just kind of stepping into the water kind of a thing and doesn't want to be too commanding. Or it could be uh could be he is trying to get Gary Harris going. It's it's pretty weird that the first yeah, game it could be the first game back, Gary Harris's worst is Barton's best, and then the last two games are Harris's best and Barton's worst. So um you know, there's there's all sorts of different ways that, that that can happen. But I'm I'm personally talking about a two game sample. I know you mentioned like a 15 game sample, but um, but at the one point that there just is not any moving on is your one about matchups, and and that's something that we've been saying since even before the season started. Uh, got to figure out something with these matchups with the Clippers and the Lakers because. I mean, with a backcourt of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Will Barton, uh, you're just ooh that that's going to be rough going against teams that are being led off starting at the perimeter from guys like LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George. So, yeah, I mean, just to put this in perspective, in my in my article today, I did a little uh, preview of the Clippers game. The other than than the point guard position where they the Clippers have two little guys. Um, the shortest player in their starting five is six, seven. That's Kawhi Leonard. 
the second tallest player in the Nuggets starting five is Paul Millsap, who is six seven. Well, now, I think Millsap's that's, that's beefier, and he's got arguable. long arms. But I've I've always heard six what? eight, and I've even heard six nine. Uh, the official, well, no, the NBA did that thing earlier this year where they actually got official, official measurements of, of everybody. So I'm going off of the NBA.com uh, measurements, which, which have them at six seven. What? I didn't know about that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. They actually like because teams like lie about it all the time and stuff. So they actually did like an official, like uh, recalibration of, of everybody's heights and weights and stuff. And a lot of players came down, but it was more common than going up. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So the Nuggets are so <laughs> they're small. I mean, like they are the every at just about every position. They're giving up a couple of inches, um, with the exception of Jokic. He'll be evenly matched in the Clippers game. But um, the Clippers are just huge. Like they're 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 basically putting out a lineup where four of their five guys are six, seven or taller. And then their bench, they have guys that are six, eight to, to seven foot that they can play. So um, it's, it's just tough for somebody. Barton is six, five, according to, to NBA's numbers. Um, he's really, he's just the size of a shooting guard. It's just, it's just, it's just the fact. And he's also pretty, pretty slight, right? pretty thin. He's like um, 180 pounds, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you look at Kawhi, Kawhi is just a brute. You know, it's not even just about the the couple of inches he's given up. It's it's the weight to the muscle. Um, so that's that's really the issue. And I, I just don't I don't know. I, I don't necessarily have a great solution to this. It, it could just be that Barton is 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 just going to be the best option, even being undersized. He has been good defensively this year, um, but I am curious what what bringing grant into the mix might do um mpj is probably not ready defensively uh especially not against these really good teams to be brought into the starting lineup and i just i can't even envision malone ever even considering that so i'm not even going to entertain it um grant at the three gets interesting to me though um with maybe barton coming off the bench as an offensive sort of spark plug alongside monte morris and mpj I, I like that idea um, and, and maybe having Grant guard Kawhi, something like that. And then and then you put Millsap on Marcus Morris and Jokic on Zubac. But something to say to that. I don't know. They, it's just a tough matchup. I, I, I thought that um, that I might have been wrong. And we need to have like a coming to uh, coming to what's that phrase? Like owning up to Jesus. <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Like just owning up to our mistakes, uh, our bad calls and things like that. Um oh, oh maybe oh, in the off season. Oh, for the show, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But one thing was I was definitely banging the drum that uh Barton can't play next to Monte Morris. Uh or or mm-hmm. that it's actually the other way around, that Morris has a hard time performing well next to Barton. Um but I went back and looked and it and really like I don't know. I think I might actually be onto something. Um, um, Malone hasn't really played the two of them much at all together this season. Um, mm-hmm. and, and those minutes haven't been good. Um, they haven't been as bad as they were last season. But um, but I think there really might actually be something there. So, so I'm still not really – I'm laying back on the gas a little bit. But I'm not coming off the thing that I, I don't really see Barton as a six man playing well next to Morris kind of situation. 
Yeah, there's just this weird issue where you have you have Gary Harris and Will Barton who are six four, six five. They're really both shooting guards, and you're starting both of them. And then you're playing teams that have these monstrous guards and small forwards. Right. Um, and that's it, it's just a matchup problem. It's just it, it's just kind of a, a nightmare for the Nuggets. They, there's not a great solution. MPJ's not ready. Uh, and he won't be ready to start against Kawhi Leonard in the in the playoffs. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's, um, it's just that if you're bumping, if you're bumping, there's, there's not really another great solution. If you're bumping one of Barton or Harris down to the bench, to me, it's just an absolute no brainer. Um, not just because of the reason that I don't think Barton and Morris can play well together, but I think that Harris and and Morris actually can play well together, and I think. All of a sudden, that puts Harris in the situation of being like the number two guy, maybe on offense, and that's the situation that we could see him blossom in. So, um, I, honestly, if there's a path back for Gary Harris, a possibility that that that's coming as like the number two guy on the bench um, in the uh, the offensive lineup, um, as opposed to being the fourth guy on on the starting unit. So. Anyway, yeah, we're we're gonna get more into that in the second segment, too. But um, yeah, it's just tricky. the 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 matchup is tricky for for the Nuggets. Um, they have they have their own advantages for sure. I mean, Jokic is an advantage in this matchup, and Jokic needs to dominate like that. I, when I when I look at the Clippers matchup, it to me is about Jokic and Murray. It's about can those two guys dominate their positions, their matchups. And and then can we withstand what what George and and Leonard are going to do to our to our wings? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's the game. Fill in the blank. All right, Nick. Fill in the blank. The Nuggets' biggest challenge is the... I'm going to say it's consistency, actually. Um, f- over these last stretch of games here, um, I-, I think the Nuggets, if they play like we know they can play, and that they generally... The, the way that they generally play against good teams... Um, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to get the second seed and I don't think it's going to going to be overly difficult to do that. I think they're going to be able to hold on to that second seed uh, pretty easily. Uh, the, the Clippers are the, are the big threat there. Um, but I don't think the Clippers are as worried about the regular season. I think they're more concerned about, you know, the load management schedule that they have keeping Paul George healthy too, who's injury prone. I, I think, Though they they're okay with an the idea of a second round matchup against the Nuggets, where the Nuggets have home court advantage, I don't think that scares them uh, to where they're gonna they're gonna do anything to overturn their their sort of rotations right now. So I I think the Nuggets and I, and I'm not at all worried about Houston or Utah overtaking the Nuggets. I I just can't fathom that Utah's already kind of falling off. I'm not worried about them. Uh, Houston's bizarro tiny ball lineup they have is an interesting experiment, but I, I, I just don't see it 
I, I don't I don't see it working well enough to be a threat for them to take over the second seed. So um so yeah, to me the biggest the biggest issue is just the Nuggets themselves. It's it's can they stay consistent against especially inferior competition, which they have struggled against all year. Last couple day, games have been really encouraging. They've played really well against uh weakened teams, um, depleted teams that they should beat easily, and they did. Uh and hopefully they can continue that. A lot of that I think has to do with how well Murray has played. Uh Jokic has been an MVP caliber player for two months now he's been spectacular this is some of the best basketball he's ever played i think um murray is is right there i think murray's last 10 games might be the best stretch that we've ever seen from murray um where he's averaging 25 a game and six assists i mean those are those are like you know peak kyrie irving kind of numbers like that that's what the nuggets need to be a championship winner or contender is is for Murray to to be dominant like that. So if he can continue that, I mean, those two guys alone are enough against bad teams that you should roll bad teams, even just with those two guys with their you know b- being consistent producers. And then you get whoever whoever else can step up in the course of the game. You know, it can be a different person every game or whatever. But if you know you're getting the production from those two guys, you're going to be fine. So to me, that's that's the issue. What what do you have? I have. Uh... I have the Nuggets biggest challenge is the ego, the mm. Freudian ego, if you will. Not the id? No, no. I was thinking the id, but not the id. Because so the id is gonna be our, you know, primitive instinctual kind of a thing. That's gonna be the the kid you are Go on the on. court. What's that? I just said go on. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no. This is very uh, abstract and deep, and and we're getting into it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so, yeah, when you're the kid on the court and you just you want to have the big moment and everything, that's that's the id. And then uh, the super ego would be how the Nuggets know they're supposed to play, um, the things they're supposed to do. and And so it comes down to the ego to kind of – uh, navigate between those two things. Um, will this team be able to play the way that they're supposed to play? But um, still, one of the greatest things about the Nuggets is uh, their ability to improvise. So can they be that best version of um, fundamentally sound, um, bringing the competition for every moment of these games uh, and and being able to still... Um, give into an improvised moment when it's there to take advantage of something that the other team is, is letting open to be taken advantage of. Um, and it's actually, I'm going to kind of flip what I said at the end of the last segment, um, how we were talking about basically sending Harris to the bench, putting Barton at the two. Um, I actually really do want to see after having watched that Lakers game that we should have won and seen how he played against the Clippers and then not having made any moves for uh, for any real sort of um, impact players, um, anything that would change up our uh, matchups in the playoffs against the the Clippers or the Lakers, I really do. Why are you hating on Kade Bates Diop? Unbelievable. Who actually could factor in? It just doesn't look like it. You know, yeah. Um, barring an injury or something like that, where he starts getting some time to prove himself, I just I just don't see. Even though I think he could be great in those matchups. Um, I, I just don't think that that's going to be in the cards, but 
Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Thank you. But uh, yeah, no, I I I want to see what a dialed in, ego led, Freudian ego led Nuggets <laughs> can actually do against these Clippers and these Lakers because we're the ones spending the entire season digging ourselves into this imaginary situation uh, that that the Lakers and the Clippers present un un overcomable obstacles at the wing position. And the reality is basketball is it's, it's you play it to play it. Like until the ball goes down the court and you have your five guys and, and your backups come in and and play the game, you don't know what you have. So, um, so, you know, I didn't get what I wanted, you know, didn't get ourselves some Robert Covington, but let's see what our nuggets can do. And and if they play dialed in, I'm going to be happy, even if it doesn't, doesn't come to fruition. But, from what we've seen, actually, it, we feel competitive to me. Yeah, okay, so what's the worst first-round matchup for the Nuggets? Okay, the Nuggets' worst first, I like what you did there, round like matchup it, yeah. would be... Okay, I, I was... There's a crazy world where we play the, the Jazz. Uh, it's not even actually that crazy, which makes it even scarier. If the Houston Rockets, as you just got done mentioning, won't do this, uh, but do actually storm storm on up the rankings and as well the Clippers probably do and send the Nuggets down to fourth seed or even fifth seed, it's probably the Jazz sitting there on the other side, fourth or fifth. Um, That would be scary to me. But I don't think that's going to happen, so that's not my answer. My answer is the worst first-round matchup would be the Mavs. Um, they're just, I, I mean, Chris Dapps has figured it out, man. He is, he's, yeah, he's scoring like well. 24 points a game over the past month. Um, that's so scary. Um, uh, and then obviously Luca say no more. The guy's a second year player who's challenging Giannis as most valuable player in the NBA. So it's just really scary what they, what they have brewing down there, but maybe more scary is the storylines that come out of this, the narratives, if we were to lose. So one of them, I, I came up with three. Feel free to, to come up with any others. Um, three negative uh-huh. ones. Um, the Mavs, to me, look very much like a legit Warriors of the future, a team that could be, they're still young. Um, they could easily wind up owning this NBA for the next you know seven, eight years or something like that. Um, and how poetic would it be for the Nuggets to have their best regular season ever only to lose in the first round of the playoffs to the next Warriors, just like they did. Oh, when was that? I hate you. Like nine years ago. Remember that? Yeah, I do not. I do not like this line of thinking one bit. We were we were ranked above them. Well above them. We were on. Yeah. I, wasn't it our best uh, regular season record? Um, Did you just ask me if I remember that we were at a playoff? It, we were yeah. at the playoff game together in Denver when Clay Thompson and Steph Curry had their no what, names. They, I don't know. They shot point. like sixteen threes in a row or something. Steph Curry was still just uh, a guy who had a wild, wild uh, March Madness tournament. I got in trouble because I was kind kind of rooting for the Warriors because I didn't think that they had a chance. But I love Steph Curry so much from watching him yeah. in March Madness. Um, and then of course they smoked us. And everything changed for the Nuggets after that. So, so yeah, that's, congratulations to the 49ers, by the way. <sighs> I wasn't ready for that. You caught me off guard. Sweet burn. <laughs> Sweet burn, man. Yes. 
Thank you. All right. Next next storyline. That's payback <laughs> for you rooting for the Warriors in a Nuggets playoff game. <laughs> next scary storyline is Chris Stapps is better than Jokic. So sick of that from back in the day. Oh. All, the, all the New York Knicks fans uh, shouting that from the rooftops before his injury. Um, that would definitely be back in play if – the Jokic-led Mavs lose to the not even Kristaps-led, you know, the Luka-led with Kristaps playing second fiddle. Uh, if if that happens, that that would be scary to see that tweet storm starting up again. Um, the other one mm-hmm. is, of course, Seth Curry getting to call us sassy again uh, after <laughs> <laughs> that really weird <laughs> fracas that he called sassy in the playoffs last year. We just can't shake this guy. Um, silver line storyline, Boban getting to to move on in the playoffs. I love that. Love that guy. Okay. And Tim Hardaway Jr. He's earned it. Yeah. Some more Warriors love there. Yeah. I like all of that. I mean, I well, I hate all of it. It's but the storylines. I, I appreciate the thought that was given. Yeah, and the storylines. Um, the Nuggets first round matchup, the worst first round matchup for me. I think is OKC. Uh, I th- I think we saw why a couple games ago. Um, you have veteran All Pro player in Chris Paul who knows how to win in the playoffs. Uh, a guy who can can lead a team through a tough series. Stephen Adams does present a challenge to Jokic. I mean, nobody in the league at this point. Jokic is good enough that he's nobody's going to like shut him down. But but he's a monster. That guy is a beast. He's a lot to handle. He's an offensive rebounding machine. And that's a problem for the Nuggets, who really rely on rebounding. I think that's that's become very clear to me this year, uh, maybe more than I realized uh, the, even the last couple of years, but that the, the Nuggets really, their success is so closely tied to how well they rebound. And part of that's because they're not a great shooting team. They're kind of a middle-of-the-road shooting team. And so when they're rebounding really well, it just gives them a lot more opportunities, obviously. Um, and they, I don't know, just some, there's something that it, it kind of seems to tie into to their how they play on the defensive end to um, and, and how well they move the ball. So I, I think that combined with uh, the uh, strong guard play, and then you have a player like Gallinari um, who can, can go off. He's a great shooter. Um, the, the thunder have a good team and what, what the thunder have done to rebuild after, after trading their, their two superstars is, is actually, almost miraculous to me. Like I, I can't give them enough credit for what they've done this year. They've stockpiled a ton of picks, a ton of pick swaps and are barely worse than the Rockets this year. Yeah. They, I mean, it wouldn't even surprise me if they end up finishing ahead of the Rockets the, this year after, after these trades. Yeah, no. Um, so it's, it's actually incredible. They could very well be done. the other team of the future. They have so much mm-hmm. stockpiled that, I mean, really they can make a trade for like any player um, in the yeah. NBA. Um, so they get things cooking right with SGA, um, some other pieces, right. And they could make easily like two huge moves to bring stars to their team. Um, they're going to yeah, be, cause you could imagine a, a, a trade to get rid of Chris Paul, right. To, you know, maybe somebody like the Lakers or something like that next year where they could, they could free up cap space, maybe, you know, grab a bunch more picks. And I mean, you're, yeah, you're talking about a team that is just stacked, you know, two, three years from now. Right. 
Um, yeah, no, I would actually, I would, I would love that matchup just to watch it. I think, I think that would be some really, really enjoyable basketball to see those Good two basketball. teams go at yeah. it. Um, so I, I'm, you know, it's not the easiest matchup. Um, to me, it's not the hardest, um, but, but I would still love to watch it. I will say to, uh, argue against something you pointed out earlier. I am not concerned about it. A matchup against Utah. Um, I, there's something about, I don't know the, the way they've played them this year, you know, the Nuggets beat them pretty handily, a uh, very shorthanded that 30, 20, 10 Jokic game to me just showed how head and shoulders above Rudy Gobert Jokic is. I don't, I, I can't even, I will not even entertain the th- notion that Rudy Gobert is on the level of Jokic right. that some people want to try to argue. It's absurd to they're me. Both, they're also um, like opposite players. Like it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, we, we match up players based on their size. And the reality is he has Jokic has more in common with Mike Connolly than he does with Rudy Gobert. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, yeah, even like, uh, I don't know, even like LeBron or something like that almost is a better, I mean, different play styles, but the sort of effect on the game right. is probably more similar than like Rudy Gobert. Right. And then you could say Rudy um, Gobert has more in, in char- more in common with like, um, um, over crying out loud, the Lakers point guard or the Clippers point guard. Yeah, like Beverly, Beverly, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's yeah. definitely not size or or position. Um, yeah, I, I always hate that comparison. I always hate it. Yeah, it's not good. Um, but yeah, they just I I I don't I don't love that team. I I think they do. They have traditionally played the Nuggets tough uh, the last few years, but I I feel like the Nuggets have have maybe figured them out a little bit, and I I think they're coming. Yeah, I just down, I just get, and I I don't know. It just doesn't scare the, me. The talent level is what scares me. Um, the, yeah. the matchup feels good, but it, to me, it f- would feel like playing in a, in a, um, powder keg factory, you know, like I would just be so scared of, of any, any of those, oh, players all, of all off. those racists in Utah. <laughs> 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 yeah. They are terrifying. That's I the truer that. powder keg factory is all the fans around you and what might happen with them. Um, no, ju- just with, you know, sorry, some- Utah, we know you're not all racist. We're kidding. <laughs> just some, some, something that just goes off and there's no controlling it. You know, a Donovan Mitchell that just goes off. You can't control it. Or a night where Gobert is just pounding right. it and there's nothing to do about it. Like there's just too much talent there to, to, that scares me. But, um, you know, I would much rather take, there's five six teams i'd much rather take houston at this point which is crazy to think crazy to think yeah that was all nah, i think it's a kryptonite. horrible matchup who is gonna guard Jokic in that matchup yeah, no that, that was pj tucker on Jokic. you gotta yeah, be kidding me right and finally uh national media is on with that um i've been hearing hearing that we're houston's worst matchup in the playoffs if something like that ever happened but yeah um so it's nice to hear that but yeah all right so nick the starter most likely to get benched prior to the playoffs is. So we kind of spent some time on this already earlier when we got into uh, into the Barton starting stuff against the Clippers. Um, so I'm going to say it's it's most likely to be Barton uh, who will be benched prior to the playoffs. And that's surprising to me. I, now, I should I should clarify this. It's not that I'm predicting the. Barton is going to be benched before the playoffs, but if some shakeup were to happen, if there's some change that needs to be made 
if Malone decides to to try something different with the starting lineup and go in a different direction, which is unlikely, he seems very dug in on his starting lineup. Um, he's been using this line over and over again lately about about how uh, the this is the this is the group that went to the Western Conference semifinals last year, um, and he seems to to think that that's got a lot of value, um, which he he's right. I mean that it does show that this is a group that can win uh, in the playoffs. Um, but I, I hope that he is a bit open-minded when we do get to the playoffs about matchups. And he did show some willingness to make changes last year in the playoffs when he benched Barton uh, after Barton was just not playing well. The thing that scares this year, me there... I, it, it may be an issue more of matchups. I, I just want to say the thing that scares me there is I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, that matchup change came up in the first round of the playoffs last year when he benched Barton. Um, I feel like... This this five is gonna cruise through the first round of the playoffs, and that's just gonna only uh, dig Malone in more on this five when we come around to the actual yeah. matchup against the Clippers or the Lakers. Um, that that's that's the caveat there. I think like yes, Malone showed flexibility last year, but that's when his back was against the wall, like right at the start of the playoffs. This time around, I could see him actually being a lot less flexible. Because the at the time when the change needs to happen, we're all gonna already gonna be deep in the playoffs, and that will only give him more confidence to just uh, wait it yeah. out. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, I want to say that that it, it it should be Gary Harris that's the most likely to get benched before the playoffs because I'm still intrigued by the idea of moving Barton to shooting guard and bringing Harris off the bench. I think there's a possibility that that Monte. Gary Harris, MPJ, Grant, and Plumlee could be a really strong bench unit. Um, it's looking like they probably wouldn't even all play together at this point. I mean, if, if the Nuggets go to an eight or maybe nine-man rotation, they're probably going to end up keeping Jokic or Murray with the bench uh, at all times. So we probably wouldn't see like that full five-man unit. But um, I I don't know. I, I To me, that fit I, – I like the idea of Barton, Barton's sort of offense and playmaking on the bench – but as you've pointed out, there could be some trouble there with Monte. Uh, we haven't really seen enough of it to know for sure, but but there are some signs that that might be problematic, and and Harris might be a, a little bit of an easier fit there. Maybe that takes some pressure off of him, get a shot back and stuff. But I just don't think it's going to happen. Like Murray I, or uh, um, Coach Malone just seems so dug in on Harris as a starter on this team. It, it, I think he loves Harris's game his the way he plays it's it's sort of like another Tory Craig it's a guy who he he looks at his effort on defense and says that's a guy I want on the floor exactly what we need and if his shot's not falling oh well let's get five like, Tory Craigs can we do that can we put yeah I mean I, I think Malone Craig's? would love that yeah I actually I actually think he would go for that it's, <laughs> right. and I I get the idea like I think I, I to speak for Malone I don't know uh but just from from watching him now for a few years I feel like he thinks that shooting is sort of fluky like that shooting kind of comes and goes you know unless you're like Steph Curry or something like guys shoot well and they shoot poorly but defense is like the consistent right like you can always play good defense you don't need your shot to be falling to be effective on the defensive end so if a if he's got a guy that can do that he's willing to like let him ebb and flow on the offensive end and to some extent I understand that um but at some point like with with where, where Harris is at, but not this year. Like at some point, you have to say, you got to shoot effectively, or this is this is just not going to work on offense because it bottles up everything for Jokic. Yeah, 
And I, that's to me, that's the the rub here. And uh, Malone's going to keep doing what, what he does. And, and he, you know, he might be right. He, he, you know, and it could also be that the shooting guard position, which you've, you've said for a while is not the most important position really for the Nuggets. Like it could be that that can work as a primarily defensive position. Right. With this starting unit. Right. Um, it's possible. Um, it, so you, I, but it just I, calls I just for like efficiency on the offensive side. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the percentages I think more than like the total scoring that's troubling to me. Like like Wancho to me is like a very good example of an efficient role player on offense. Uh, that guy knows when to pass the ball. Like every time he takes a three, it it feels right. Like, like he's not being he's not letting his id take over. Um, if that guy was good on defense, that would be a great fit in the in the Jokic uh lineup but um so you, vice versa if you're Gary Harris and you are great on defense but you aren't efficient on offense now Grant he's not he's not doing um your version of Barton last year where he's overshooting when he shouldn't be um but even though he's undershooting uh he's he's not efficiently pulling it off so so I'll storm in with mine uh my mm-hmm. answer um it, which is interesting. There, are, there are quite a few more matchups here than than I was expecting to see uh, potentially happen. I think when we started this season out, you and I were much more just on the Barton was the only question mark, and who are we going to start at small forward? Um, and it kind of seemed like we were going to need a different player on our team. But if we didn't, I think my I think I'm speaking for us both when I say Michael Porter Jr. seemed like the the only thing, not that you're happy to put him in as much as it's exciting to get, you know, offensive uh, uh, talent like that um, minutes, um, you don't want to have to rely on that. But it felt like that small forward hurdle that we keep talking about when we started the season, it was like, okay, Barton is the only question mark. Michael Porter Jr. is the only guy who can fill it. And now it feels like uh, there definitely is room for like Grant to work his way into the starting lineup but not at power forward, actually at small forward, which is um, a place where I've been really growing to to like what he has to offer. And especially when you're talking about guarding uh, those the, the LA guys, um, seems like he's in a great position to be able to do that. And, um, and so, but then that would involve, in my opinion, not benching Barton, but benching Harris and signing Barton down to the, the two. So, um, so that would be mine. And again, I don't think that's going to happen, like you said. Um, but but if we're talking about if if I have to give you a guy, um, I'm saying I, I'd I'd say Grant has earned his way in Malone's eyes of being the guy to be the next step up in the starting lineup, and that Harris to me would just he'd have to be the guy to to go down a step. I mean, maybe what would be smart here. I don't know if Malone will do this, but maybe a way to handle this is set the precedent now over the next like 24 games that you're going to swap in a couple of guys here or there based on matchups. You know, maybe, maybe you try moving Barton to the bench in a couple of games. Again, you know, maybe it's the Clippers game. Maybe it's I kinda another like matchup. That, the Lakers but it does not sound like, like Malone. It sounds like the opposite. Of I know it doesn't, but I, I think it might make, it would make sense because then you could kind of get guys used to the fact that like, Nobody's locked in like for I mean, really, honestly, it doesn't matter so much who starts. It really matters like what the best lineup is and and who's going to be on the floor at the end of the game. 
Right, and that um, changes. To game, close it out. Like, yeah, it just, I, I think if there's a way to like maybe, I, I don't know how the players feel about this. I'm sure there's a lot of ego involved and stuff and being a starter and then getting benched and that kind of stuff. But like, if there's some way we could get them to buy into the fact that that what's more important is is playing matchups in in the playoffs, um, maybe maybe there's a way to lay that groundwork now. Yeah, I, I I'm there. There's at least um, I think a gray area that Malone should wade into with that because even if your matchup, even if his changeup doesn't happen with purely who the starters are. It could very much easily happen with, well, Harris plays the first six minutes as a starter, and then you've got somebody else coming in. Or, or it could be, yeah, changing who, who closes out the game. Um, you know, there's- yeah, or even imagine a scenario where Torrey Craig's getting some run at, let's say, shooting guard or small forward, and Malone sort of rides the hot hand. Right. You know, it's like a, he, uh, Harris gets half the first quarter, Craig gets half the second, or half the, the other half of the first quarter, and whoever plays better gets more run in the second half or so. I don't know. You know, like there could be some ways of, of juggling that stuff. Yeah. Um, where, where we can kind of set, you know, get guys kind of used to the idea that, you know, we're not locked into starters and, 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 and bench players. That's not the, that's not the important thing in the playoffs. What's important is matchups. Yep. It always comes down to that. Agree. I think once again, Sweet. we solved it. We always do. Pretty much figured it so out. So send that to our aid. Ha- have them type all this out, and uh, we'll email it tomorrow, <laughs> like we always do. <laughs> every, literally every time. And he always listens. Always. If you've thoroughly enjoyed what you've heard here you can follow me at nick herzog sbn on twitter you can follow jeremy at jeremy pulley on twitter till next time cheers see you buddy bye